The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for The Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. A lot to discuss on the show tonight. We'll from Stephen Kenny in a bit after Ireland drew nil all with Wales in the Nations League. Going to hear from Colin Healy, the new interim Cork City boss, prepares to face Dundalk on Tuesday night. Going into the game in the back of that disappointing defeat to Bohemians on Friday. We'll be talking to Libby Coppinger as well on the show tonight about uh, everything that's going on with the dual player fixture clash. So we'll uh, hear from Libby a little bit later on. Also going to hear from Kieran Donaghy, the uh, Kerry legend, talking about the upcoming championships and Cork facing Kerry in Park Equity. And we're also going to hear from uh, Kiona Lunard as he prepares to return to athletics and targets the Olympics. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Corks, Red FM. We're here until 7 o'clock this evening. Thank you very much indeed for tuning our way. My name's Rory O'Hagan. Delighted to be uh, keeping you company over the next 60 minutes. A lot to get through on the show tonight. And uh, we'll start with uh, the Republic of Ireland uh, remaining winless in their Nations League campaign, held to a goalless draw by Wales in Dublin today. Um, a strange day. Um, Ireland missing a number of players due to positive coronavirus tests. James McLean sent off. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, the gaffer, Stephen Kenny, uh, talking about the game and uh, everything that happened uh, around the team um, outside of the game. Uh, he was speaking on Sky Sports. Stephen, a long, exhausting week. What are your thoughts at the end of it? No, I think um, I think the players gave everything in themselves. You know, I think it was uh, considering all that happened and, and, and losing all the players in the match day. Uh, I think all of the players that played, you know, can be extremely proud of how they performed. I felt um, we're not saying it was a perfect performance. Uh, it was an evenly contested game, and we had probably probably the better chances overall. Um, I think uh, considering the players at 120 minutes mm. on Thursday night flew back 6 in the morning getting back uh, all that went on and um, we lose tra- three centre-backs today obviously we lost two earlier and Kevin Long came off early in the game so Matt, Matt Doherty had to, go, had to go in there and I said to him we'd have to be careful that he didn't make, uh, make that position his own but um, he, uh, he did very well of course in that position and, uh, and all of the players of course uh, Showed great attitude and uh, passed the ball quite well. Just, just to, uh, couldn't get that goal. Of course, the preparations kind of thrown into turmoil before the game as uh, one playing member of the squad uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Four other players were then deemed as close contacts that so they couldn't play. Uh, so Ireland uh, with a, a very light bench going into the game. But um, not the worst performance in the world. It wasn't massively exciting, but you can see, um, I suppose, the progress that Stephen Kenny has made uh, with this team and, and the football that they're trying to play. Um, just needs to get a goal and get a win so fingers crossed uh, that can happen against Finland on Wednesday going to hear now from uh, Shane Duffy Shane did any side deserve to win that game today? Uh, it's difficult to say you know, um, both sides cancel each other out I think again and it's come down the uh, chances again and, and it's probably the same old story we, we haven't finished them off again so uh, it's disappointing in that way but I thought we played some good parts yeah, you were up against it today for various reasons. A lot of you played the full two hours in Slovakia, all the COVID issues as well. Is it sort of a, a moral point, maybe? Well, it was a point that we had to, to dig together, and, and if anyone questions us, uh, we showed there that 
but we've got a uh, great spirit everyone knew that and, and to get honest we know we were short in body so uh, listen it was out of our hands and, and this is the way the world is at the minute so uh, we made a point we feel sorry for the lads who, who uh, can be involved and and play for other countries so uh, a little point they can do for them as well and, and obviously all the fans uh, you talk about being short of bodies were you short of energy as well particularly in that first half and uh, nobody inside the stadium did you Did you really miss them more than ever yeah, today it was tough it was obviously 120 minutes on the other day and, and to get going it took us a bit to get going obviously a bit of legs and a bit of um, energy but we tried it wasn't like the, the, the lack of trying but um Sometimes that's why it is, but we, we give it a go. We tried and kept going out there and tried to do the things the manager asked for, but um, obviously we didn't get the goal, but that's it, another clean sheet, so uh, we can build on it. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's Shane Duffy there speaking after uh, today's game on Sky Sports. And uh, next up, it's uh, Finland on Wednesday night uh, for the boys in green. Uh, elsewhere, Finland taking on Bulgaria at the moment, and it is currently scoreless at 48 minutes on the clock. Northern Ireland in action against Austria from 7.45. England and Belgium, second half just underway. Uh, Taylor, two penalties, Romelu Lukaku putting Belgium ahead at Wembley. Uh, Marcus Rashford equalising from the spot after 39 minutes. Tennis, Rafa Nadal's won the French Open in style today. The Spaniard has beaten Novak Djokovic in straight sets. 6-love, 6-2, 7-5. Nadal has now equaled Roger Federer's all-time record of 20 Grand Slam titles. Rowing, Cork's Sunita Puspire has won gold at the European Rowing Championship and defended her title in style as well today. The double world champion dominating the field to win in the single skulls in Poznan in Poland so congratulations congratulations indeed to Sunita Puspure elsewhere in golf Terrell Hatton has won the BMW PGA Championship Dennis Kerwin was there Hatton fired in a superb closing round of 67 to complete a four-shot victory at Wentworth. Hatton adds the BMW PGA Championship to the Arnold Palmer Invitational he won on the PGA Tour back in March, and he's likely to enter the world's top ten for the first time. Frenchman Victor Perez gave Hatton a good run for his money, but he ran out of steam over the last few holes and finished in sole second place on 15 under par, while Andy Sullivan's superb third round 65 gave him a share of third place with Patrick Reed. Shane Lowry closed with a disappointing round of 73 to finish in a tie for 13th place. He picks up a cheque for around €100,000. Graham McDowell fired in an impressive closing round of 67 to finish in a tie for 24th on 6 under par, while Podrick Harrington's closing round of 71 left him on 1 under in a tie for 40th. But it was a happy homecoming for Tyrrell Hatton at Wentworth. With McGurk's Golf, online at mcgurksgolf.com. I'm Dennis Kerwin. And in motorsport, uh, Lewis Hamilton has equaled Michael Schumacher's record of 91 all-time Formula 1 race wins. The world champion won the Eiffel Grand Prix in Germany, finishing ahead of Red Bull's Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo in his Renault. Hamilton's lead in the Drivers' Championship over his Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas is now 69 points after the Finn retired from the Grand Prix earlier on today. Alright, we are going to kick off the show with football. Cork City uh, taking on Dundalk at Turners Cross on Tuesday night. Colin Healy, of course, named the interim manager uh, last Thursday. That was after uh, the club departed ways uh, with Neil Fenn and his assistant Joe Gamble. Didn't get off to a great start, losing 3-0 to Bohemians 
and uh, Cork City at the bottom of the table need to get some points on the board two points behind Finn Harps uh, going into the game so look it's a massive massive night uh, for uh, Cork City tomorrow if they could get a result it would be absolutely fantastic but uh, Colin held a press conference today Colin was there uh, and got a chance uh, to speak to him No I, did, I didn't listen I didn't as I said listen it happened so quickly it happened um, probably was it probably towards the morning so um, listen obviously the, the board got on to me and asked me do you know when I take over to the end of the season so listen it's probably something that you know I always probably wanted to do anyway but it's um, I'm here now so the the, the work is, um, has started yeah yeah, no. Listen, it was as I said. Listen, we had one day before uh, with the with the lads training um, with the game against Bowes, and listen, everybody knows Bowes are a good side. Listen, they have been for a few years now. Listen, it was very difficult. It's difficult going up there anyway, but it, it was difficult for us to go up there that night. Listen, I thought we did okay. We gave away some silly goals, but now again, now we've got Dundalk on Tuesday night, which is going to be another very difficult game. And the boys, the players. The players, the players need to be ready. The players need to be ready for it, like. Um, you made a few changes on for Friday's game. Putting your own stamp, please. Yeah, no. Listen, as I said, listen, as I said, the money, the money in the door. So listen, I, I, I put in some young lads. Um, um, I knew, I knew what they can do. Um, there might be some changes again Tuesday night. We just have to see what, how training goes again tomorrow. But what I, what I want is that I want players that are going in that they're going to give everything. They're going to give everything for the club and give everything for themselves. That's what we want. That's all. That's all I ask. Somebody comes in, give a hundred percent. That's all I can, and that's that's what we need from now till the end of the season. Did you see a bit of a lack of fights for the last few games before? before you no, no. Listen, I, listen. I didn't listen. I listen. I didn't. As I said, listen. I'm heavily involved with the academy. So listen, you get to some of the first games and all that kind of stuff, but. Sometimes you have to be on the training ground to see all that kind of stuff as well. So now that we're hands-on in training ground, I see a lot more than obviously what you see on your Friday nights or your Saturday nights. So it's up to me and the coaching staff to get the best out of these players now, and that's what we're going to do. Where do you see points coming from? Move on. It's four games to save the club Premier League, basically. So where do you see points coming from in these four games? Well, first and foremost, we, we look after Tuesday's game, and uh, we're not looking any further than that. We we get ready for Dundalk and that's all we can do and we're not even looking at the next game of the weekend against Waterford it's all about Dundalk Tuesday night okay, it has to be you can't look any further well, listen that, that was just the other night like listen that, that doesn't mean that I'm going to put them in again Tuesday night yeah. do you get me it's, 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 it's like people play well you stay in the team people perform in training you have a chance to get in the team just because I played three or four lads that doesn't mean that they're going to start again yeah, I need, I need, I need people to show me in training that they want to play. They want to play and they want to get in the team. And when you get in the team, put on a performance and stay in the team. Everybody wants to play. Nobody wants to sit on the bench in the stand. But it's an opportunity when you come in, go and perform and keep the jersey. That's what you want to do. So just because I played a few lads during it doesn't mean that they're going to play again Tuesday night. We have to sit down with the coaching staff and pick a team that is right to play against them. Though. Like we're down at the bottom of the table we're down there for a reason because obviously things haven't been good enough and let's not let's not kid ourselves we haven't we need to change that and by changing that is by working hard and it's like no matter what job you do it's like you don't work something has something, something happens you shouldn't be there so what we need to do is as a team as a coaching staff is that we need everybody everybody that when they're going on the pitch give everything you got and it doesn't matter it's it's anything when you play in the academy whatever teams you play it's the exact same for them as well give everything you got don't have any excuses so that's that's my message to the to the players since they've come in and that's what I want that's what I want in the academy 
I want. I don't want any excuses. Go and give everything you got. If you if you're giving everything, you can't do any more than after that. And you feel there's a way no, it's, it's not really. No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's, like, listen, we, we need to. We, listen, we're down at the bottom. Everybody knows where we are. Listen, they say. Listen, we just need to focus on Dundalk Tuesday night and look after that. We can't look any further. What's going to happen in three or four? We don't know what's going to happen. We 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 focus on Dundalk, nothing else. Yeah. And all this was like during the weekend when we took over, people were sharing the video of you and the boys in the cake, the huge curve turned across and great celebrations and great times when we're sitting up the top of the table. I mean, it's a cliche question, but are Cork City too big a club to get relegated? There's no, too, there's no club big enough to get relegated. Do you know, you see, we see it happens at other things. But what we need to do now is that. They keep saying is that we focus on choosing night and got done off. A lot of people out there are talking, ah, you're going to get ready. Listen, we we can't do anything. We focus. We have four games left. We concentrate on choosing night against Dundalk, and then that's it. We can't. We you can't think of what's going to happen in two or three. We can't. Nobody's going to know what's going to happen in two or three weeks' time. Is that we focus Dundalk. We do do our work during the week in training. It's good to get get hands on with the lads in training sessions to see what they're like on the training pitch, and we get ready for Tuesday night. No, I'm not looking point by point. There's no point doing that. That's just the way I think. I think is that you focus on Tuesday night and then that's it. You pick the best team that you can to play Dundalk and don't give they're a very good side and we gotta be ready for them. There's no point thinking I should listen, I'll rest this fella here and we're playing. No. We focus that Tuesday night that we're ready for Dundalk. So yeah, that's Colin Healy there speaking at uh, today's press conference ahead of the game with Dundalk on Friday, or Tuesday night, excuse me. Four games left for City, four cup finals essentially. Uh, three of those games are at home, so we've got uh, Dundalk coming up on Tuesday. That's followed by the clash with Waterford next Saturday evening. Uh, away to Slugger Rovers the following Saturday, and then on the Friday, uh, the 8th of November, it'll be uh, Cork City and Derry City to round off the season, so massively uh, important time for the club as they battle to avoid relegation Finn Harps two points ahead and with a better goal difference as well of six so um, yeah it's, it's it's going to be a tall order for Cork City to avoid relegation but look stranger things have happened and fingers crossed that they can alright just an update uh, from uh, the Nations League uh, it's still England 1 Belgium 1 57 minutes on the clock there and Finland have taken the league against Bulgaria in Ireland's group Robert Taylor with the goal there after 53 minutes so they lead Bulgaria by a goal to nil alright now we're going to hear from our Cork's Libby Coppinger who was uh, in conversation with Ger McCarthy speaking about the dual player fixture clash this is her chat with Ger uh, apologies about the uh, audio quality on this one but uh, it's not too bad but um, um, this is Jar uh, in conversation uh, with Libby about the dual clash which has arisen and has gotten an awful lot of traction uh, recently um, about the nature I, I suppose of dual players and uh, the conversation about that and um, the I suppose the way the players have been treated and the, the lack of coordination I suppose between the LGFA and the Camogie Association uh, but this is Jar's chat with Libby uh, speaking about that Libby Coppinger, we're back again, uh, unfortunately, talking about a clash of fixtures between the Ladies Football Association and the Camogie Association that not alone affects yourself, but affects Hannah Looney, Fiona Keating, Maeve Cahillan and Kira McCarthy. Um, before we get into just the nitty gritty of it, are you surprised at this um, or really disappointed or both? Um, 
I think, like, it's actually bad that I am still kind of surprised. You know, every year we keep getting promised, you know, this and that, and it's not going to happen again. And every year it kind of seems to, there seems to be some clashes along the line. Um, so, yeah, look, as in, I suppose, I'm a bit shocked, but I guess we're not too surprised then when it, when it does come out. Um, but then just massively disappointed that it's, that it keeps happening and we can't learn. You know, I suppose I've been playing there with, like, the senior level for, like, four years, and it's been an issue every single year, and, like, this goes back to Breach, Rhea, Mario Kart, you know, like, so many players have had to do this, and not even just in Cork, it's, it's all over the country. Um, I suppose I just know a lot more about the Cork side of it <laughs> from being down here and being involved with it, but, yeah, just, just frustrated, I guess, is the right way to put it. Yeah, and I don't blame you, Libby. We've talked about this, you and I, and, and you've had other interviews where we work, we seem to be in a constant cycle and circle of just going round and round and nothing being resolved. I mean, you're, we're coming out of COVID and you're looking for, you particularly and the girls are looking forward to both the Camogie and Football Intercounty Championship, which is something everybody should be happy about. And then this, um, you've, Galway have since stepped in and uh, offered to change one of the dates which is fantastic and very sporting of them but it really shouldn't be down to Galway to be doing this No, and like, I, like fair play to Galway um, but I don't think it's ever like a particular team or players that have been against changing any time it's always seems to be the associations can't just sort it out between themselves have a bit of communication um you know, like, it's a no team. Like, I know we'd never want to be playing a team that are, you know, down players because of a clash or vice versa. Um, and I, I do think that a lot of people are kind of coming out and speaking about it because you would be wary sometimes of, you know, am I, you know, making it more awkward for the girls on my team, but everyone backs us the whole time, which is always really encouraging. And they're always like, look, this isn't fair. You know, everyone's putting in the time like we're committed to both teams, so why would we? Why should we have to choose? You know, it shouldn't be that case when there is a clear solution of just move it. You know, we're not looking for anything, you know, incredible. Or like, obviously, it's a tight schedule, but like, there's the, the ability to have it 24 hours apart, and it just that just doesn't seem to be thought of at the minute between the associations to do that. No, it doesn't. And I suppose, look, one of the encouraging things that happened from this latest episode is that there seems to have been a bigger outcry than normal. Certainly on social media, you see the likes of Cora Staunton um, coming out saying, how are we still talking about this? It's a problem year in, year out. It's time for both organisations to come together, communicate and come up with a solution once and for all. We should be embracing our dual players and encouraging young girls to play as many sports as they want. And I think that, that really sums it up, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. Like, that's, like, that's the issue, you know, like, dual players all over the country. And, like, we shouldn't be making an issue for clashing days. You know, like, if you're able to do it and you're, you know, everyone is backing you, then why are some Asians making it the issue of putting fixtures on at the same day? Um, but I do think that's really, Encouraging from my side anyway that like so many players are speaking out about it and everyone's fed up with it. It's like I know when I kind of decided the week it was happening, I was just like, oh, people are going to be sick of us. You know, it's our, our names in the headline again with the same thing. And like, to we hate it as much as anyone, but 
it just it just needs to be sorted and it just needs to be agreed that it's not going to happen and actually you know move on from it and let's focus on the positives of our game rather than the negatives that's Louis Coppinger there in conversation with your apologies for the uh, the quality of that line but uh, very frustrated uh, Louis Coppinger there as you can tell uh, from that uh, dual player clash that has arisen uh, Cork players um, suffering I suppose because of it um, both games happening on November 7th Cork uh, facing Galway uh, in the Camogie Championship Cork playing Kerry in the All-Ireland Ladies Football Championship as we heard uh, Jar mention um, the Galway management have made contact with, I suppose with the, the, their Cork counterparts said that they're willing to move the game to the Sunday to avoid this but it's very frustrating for the players they're being put into a very very difficult position you can understand their frustration you can hear the frustration in Libby Coppinger's voice there in that chat with Jaron fingers crossed uh, this gets sorted and things like this don't happen again but it seems to be cropping up uh, popping up I should say uh, again and again but very frustrating for uh, the uh, five court players uh, involved in those games um, Hannah Looney Fiona Keating Maeve Cahillan Kieran McCarthy and Coppinger herself uh, as well alright I'm uh, going to stick with Gaelic Games and uh, the Sky Sports GA launch took place virtually um, over uh, last Thursday after afternoon uh, I was on the uh, the Zoom call and uh, Kieran Donaghy the Kerry legend was part of the panel who was uh, wheeled out for the media to, to help launch uh, Sky Sports GA coverage for this season so I asked Kieran about uh, Cork facing Kerry and if they have it uh, if the Cork can beat them uh, basically unsurprisingly he's backing Kerry uh, to beat Cork uh, in the that uh, Munster Championship clash in Parky Quay. But first, this is uh, Kieran talking about the impact of COVID on sport and I suppose the, the club lockdown, uh, which um, happened uh, last week. The club games have been kind of criticised in the last couple of weeks, with like in the celebrations particularly. Do you think it was a bit out of proportion that it, you know there wasn't enough maybe people accounting for the fact that human emotion when your team has just won something you just forget yourself in the moment and you start hugging people and you just forget that there's a pandemic it's you know what, what's your take on it or what was your take on it I, I look I, I, I've no doubt Sinead you know what you're saying you know the, the the cold light of day and the factual way to look at it is you know be very straight down the line and look you can't do this and you shouldn't have done this and look we all know that but for teams that haven't won a county championship in 20 years or 50 years or whatever, and we've seen some huge results around the county, you know, it's, it, it's like, it's like being, it's like dealing with COVID when people have alcohol on board. It's, it's, you know, you're going to hope they make the best decisions, but sure, what does alcohol do when you make you make bad decisions? So, um, uh, you mix in alcohol with, with being in a pub, watching your team win a county final, just the excitement and probably family members involved. And probably a lot of the hugging may have been between family members. We never know. But look, it wasn't ideal with what happened. Maybe, I don't think it's right that they called off all the club championship games because I think we're going to be dealing with the same things if Mayo win an All-Ireland or if Kevin mm. win an Ulster championship. You're still going to have people that are going to be going mad celebrating afterwards. So it's not addressing the situation. I think they maybe could have gone down the line of you know, letting county finals play out, having real stern words with the clubs um, to make sure that the club isn't a part of any celebrations or that the team isn't a part, that they go have their own celebrations as a team because they've been together, they've been training together for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, so that they could go away and do their own thing, but obviously that the club is told and, you know, even over the speaker to the 200 people that were in the stadium when we did have a crowd, so look, lads, please, no invasions, we can't have it. Uh, 
you know, keep the social distancing, keep your mask on if you're if you're around the players or you're dealing with people, you know, st- small stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I think people should have been wearing masks in stadiums. Anyway, I can't understand why people weren't wearing masks because, you know, it, it would have been a, it would have been another kind of protector against against the spread of the virus. So I, I don't get why people weren't wearing weren't wearing them because some of the pictures we saw with people very close together, I presume they're all families. Again, we don't really know. So look, it's a very tricky time and we're all trying to adapt. People have very heightened awarenesses of COVID. There's people in rural areas that don't know anybody that's ever got a case and don't, the numbers in their county could be very low and they're kind of, you know, this COVID thing is not having the same effect. So we're look, as you said, even with the sky and, and the touch screens and the, the way we have to adapt, I think people in general are adapting nonstop to the, to the current situation, the way it's going. And we're all just trying to put our best foot forward and, and, and trying to do it as best we can. But you're right. People's emotions take over people's, uh, the lack of control when, when, when that level of, of pride or excitement is put into your body, it, 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 it has to come out. That's mm-hmm. why when you see players playing in a pitch, sometimes they do stuff where you're kind of going, why are they doing that? Or why are they acting like that? That's not the way they go around normally. Again, it's, it's because of the emotional of where you are. So it's a very tricky one. And, and, you know, uh, it, it wasn't good enough. Some of the, some of the stuff wasn't good enough that we saw and that has to be stated. Some of it was, was over the top, no need of it. Um, but look, it's it's you know I think to to just to cancel the club game was probably a bit of a uh, a decision. Maybe the GA were forced to do something, and they felt that that was the best way to go. But now you're going to have the scenario where you've a lot of county finals yet to be played. Guys are going to be training for the next possibly eight, nine, ten weeks until the until their team is out of the the, the championship or six weeks or whatever it is. So that's that's a bit hard. They're training them without their county guys again. So it's, you know, you're bringing up the same things, whereas maybe they could have just gone ahead, played those games next week, set a straight agenda out with people, how to act mm-hmm. before the game, what to do after the game, and that could have been a way around it, maybe. Cork, Kerry, uh, Parky Cleave, November 8th. Um, can Cork cause an upset, do you think, or are they just a little bit too far be, uh, like behind yet at this stage in their development? Um... You know, I think Rowan McCarthy's done a good job with them. I think they're, you know, they showed early on in the game last year that they were, that they have uh, players that can cause this carry defence issues. Um, and and it's going to be one of those days, a wet day in Parky Cueve. I was there when, when, when we had a very strong carry team against the, against the, a good cock team and, and we often got turned over badly down there. So look, it's, it's, uh, I still fancy Kerry to win the game. I think it's going to be really close. I really do. I think those under-20s that came through last year, uh, there's a lot of them that are very good players and big guys, uh, athletes, um, and and maybe Cork's running game uh, coinciding with these few few new kids on the block uh, to go to go along with players that they have at the moment um, they're going to be they're going to be a tricky test for this Kerry team there's no doubt about it but uh, I still fancy Kerry to go through but, but by just about it's it's kind of like the Mayo and, and, and Galway one if that happens in Connacht I'm pretty much in the same boat with that one you know I, 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 I would I would Mayo you know, should have the experience and the know-how to probably get through that game. But this this young Galway side under new management is coming, and they're coming fast. And 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 again, it's it's a bit more of a time cost than, than the Munster side. But uh, I, I do fancy Kerry to get by just about. Sorry for all your listeners and Red FM that'll be slating me, no doubt over that. 
<laughs> we'll let you off by. That's Kieran Donaghy uh, speaking to me at the, the launch of Sky Sports GA coverage, uh, which took place virtually uh, last Thursday. Um, a number of games being uh, broadcast on Sky Sports mix uh, across the championships, among them the Cork and Waterford clash in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship on Saturday, October 1st. And all those games will be on Sky Sports mix. A text into 0868104106. Hi, Red FM. Can you give a shout out to Peter Rowe and the Cork under 15 Gainer Cup squad who defeated Carlow under 15? in the semi-final of the plate today they won 3-2 coming from behind twice and they won in the last two minutes so congratulations indeed to all the Rebels in that under-15 Gainer Cup squad right we're going to take a quick break we're going to talk rugby and we're going to talk to Kieran Leonard next The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Right, England have gone two on up on Belgium in their Nations League clash. Uh, Mason Mount uh, with a deflected goal, just looping up over Simon Mignolet. And uh, they now lead by two goals to one after 73 minutes. And in Ireland's group, Finland have doubled their lead uh, against uh, Bulgaria. They lead by two goals to now Frederick Jensen uh, with the second there for the Finns. Right, we are going to talk rugby and Rugby Academy Ireland are launching the first women's under 20 rugby team. Fiona Hayes has been announced as the team head, co- the team's head coach, Alison Minajon. As backs coach and Jenny Murphy as skills coach. The Rugby Academy Ireland, which is a private Kildare based academy for aspiring professionals, has made the launch as part of a series of measures being introduced to promote women's rugby in Ireland and to get rid of the dropout rates for female players, usually forced to jump from under 18 to senior level. Valerie's been speaking to former Ireland women's rugby international and head coach of the new under 20 panel, Fiona Hayes. Fiona, it's great to have you in the big red bench. Welcome. Really good to be here. Um, as I said, we we're chatting. I live in Cork, so I, I'm always listening to Red FM. So I'm absolutely delighted to be on the show. First time ever on Red FM. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, it's great to have you. And Fiona, you're coming on to tell me about an amazing new initiative. And it's probably a new pathway for women's rugby. So can you tell us a bit about what you've set up? It is an under-20s women's rugby team. Yeah, so basically um, Rugby Academy Ireland are uh, kind of an independent academy and they're based up in Kildare and I've been kind of doing a bit of work with them um, over maybe the last six months um, doing a bit of coaching with some of the girls that have come up underage. We, they've kind of been focusing along the lines of maybe 15 to 18 year olds. I've done a, a couple of camps and that. So we've just been chatting and they, they hired Quiva Morris as a, a kind of a coordinator of the project and we were looking at maybe what we see kind of missing um, at the minute in Irish women's rugby or maybe where there's a gap. So it's kind of like we were just chatting amongst ourselves and we said we might give it a blast. It's obviously totally independent of the RFU and we, we just thought... I've coached Munster under-18s and I'm coaching senior women's bows as well, UL bows in Limerick. So for me, I just I could see a little gap between the 18 to 20-year-olds where they, they didn't feel like they were ready to step up to senior rugby. So we're, we're looking at maybe getting a, a team together um, out of the whole of Ireland and uh, giving the girls maybe next April a couple of games over in England. We're looking at maybe a couple of premiership teams over there just to get the ball rolling in that. So... Is it because maybe, Fiona, that players maybe drop off playing rugby at the age of 18? That is it the physical side of things? I mean, what makes it so difficult between the jump from 18s to the seniors? 
Yeah, I suppose a lot of people ask that question. It, it, it's a very good question. At the start, kind of, until I coached the 18s, I would have been always saying, oh, it, it's, it's got to do with, you know, physicality and, and that. But when I coached Munster 18s last year, I, I could see a lot of potential that could definitely make the step up to my senior team um, with Bose. But it's a confidence issue a lot of the time. So some of the, some of the young girls kind of are looking at, they're 18 and they're looking at the AI maybe and there's probably like women playing in their late 30s 40s all shapes all sizes and it's kind of a mentality that they're not able to to make that jump immediately and also another thing that I would have found um in coaching is the coaching of the laws at 18 you're playing a lot of the time for fun and crack and you're kind of you know the basics but as you get up to that 20 age bracket or if you want to kick on with, with Ireland kind of knowing and exactly the laws and understanding what you can do and where you can do it because I suppose when you get to that age as well the the senior the refs become a lot stricter in, in how they ref the game. And you're saying that it's confidence mainly and like you know, it's great that you have set it up that they have some moral support and especially from your likes of self and Jenny and um, Alison that are on the team. I mean, three of you have done it all now at this stage and for to have the three of you behind them supporting him is pretty amazing. Yeah, it was kind of myself, Ali and Quiva were, were chatting about it and Jenny came on board as a, a skills coach and I suppose we're lucky. Obviously, we, we, we reached that level. We played at Ireland. We know the enjoyment that it can bring and we know, you know, the passion that's needed behind it. So for, for me as a coach, I mean, Jenny and Ali would be far, lo- far more prolific than me, but I was involved in like a couple of six nations, but, but to have them on board with me and they're kind of, they're the same mindset. All we want to do is kind of feed the players the information and get them to enjoy because that 18 to 20 bracket, I I mean, they're going to college, so a lot of them, so they're going to be having a lot of fun. So you need to be able to enjoy your life, but maybe move on a bit in your rugby as well. Who are you looking to take part? I mean, can anyone try and take part in this? I mean, if I've never played rugby in my life, Fiona, could I even try it? No, <laughs> I don't know what age you are there now, but <laughs> um, yeah, look, what we're kind of looking at just for this year, we're, we're holding a trial up in um, in Kildare on the 29th of October. It's it's a Thursday and kind of what we're looking at doing is getting the best 18 to 20 year olds in the in the country playing because we want we, we want to get over to England and have two very big competitive games, you know, where they can see the standards and just um, get a feeling for that kind of quick tempo pace game and, and exactly all that entails. So I think in general, what we've had in, we've had applications in, I would like, if someone has never played rugby before, there there is not a stranger thing that they get picked for a team. You know what I mean? Like it's all based on how you do on the trial. But kind of we've we've looked, we've had a lot of applications from say last year's Munster, Connacht, Ulster, um, Leinster under 18s teams that are kind of trying to push up to that senior level. And a lot of the girls would have aspirations to go on and play with Ireland. So we just want to help them a bit out and maybe get them ready and a bit more confident in themselves. To, to take that step and get up to that senior level and hopefully get capped at that level. What does the trial involve? I mean, what do you do on the day when you go up there? I mean, I presume the tree will be there keeping an eye, but what exactly do they do? 
Yeah, they probably just go through uh, the motions. We'll do maybe a set um, warm up. We might try and do a couple of drills with them so they can see kind of what we're looking at and what we're focusing at. Um, but I think in general, it's the game. We're, we're going to give them a, a good game and kind of have a look at their skills. A lot of the stuff with rugby, um, when you're in drills, it can be quite daunting on people. But when they're just there and they're with their 14 teammates and they're just playing a game, I think that's where, where they start to shine. And that's that's the side of rugby I love. And I suppose me in general, like I love watching the the men's under twenties team for Ireland. They're if they play the most exciting rugby I've seen in years. And I, I was down in Independent Park twice this year watching them and just like what they second rows chipping and chasing they're liable to do anything and I think at that age group you have the the confidence and you don't think it's wrong so I'm excited seeing the 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 young people the young girls that come down and and are going to try things out and do whatever they want to do and we'll see how they progress from there then what is the goal of setting up a team like this yeah, I suppose our goal is that we get we, we kind of cover that age group from that 18 to 20. And the main goal I think we've talked about amongst ourselves is stopping people dropping out, you know, stopping people that love the game and were able to play, you know, Munster. The amount of girls that play Munster that I've seen under 18s and I maybe in the last five years and I don't see them playing senior rugby anymore. There's a there's a massive dropout and it's it's kind of that age group, that two year age group where they like either push on a little bit and the love for the game will grow or else they'll just decide to give it up and maybe uh, enjoy their college days a little bit more than <laughs> than that but it, it's kind of just to try and get some girls to stick with it push on and obviously if if girls have aspirations to be in a green jersey at a senior level that's something we'd love to help them do and I think that's our main aim anyway. I think it'd be amazing and if something like that happened for you as well even as a coach you know you probably want to continue your coaching career and if you were able to get someone to that level it'd be pretty amazing for you starting off as well. Yeah, well, I suppose as my point of view from a coach, I just give them the tools. They have all the the skills. They have everything themselves. I just kind of show them maybe different ways of using those tools that they already have. So in general, I wouldn't take uh, too much credit for that. It's down to the girls. But a lot of the times as well, there's kind of certain systems that you might play or or what what kind of rugby to play in what part of the pitch. And they're tiny, minor details. But if you can help with them understanding different options and stuff like that, I'm absolutely more than happy to provide that for anyone and hopefully they can kick on then. It's great that women's rugby in Ireland is growing because of the success of the Irish women's rugby team and I think it's kind of made it a bit popular and that's what you want to see. You want to see young girls being like, I want to play and you do see, I mean, when I was growing up, there was no rugby team for me under eights or whatever, but now you can see girls playing and it's great. Yeah, definitely. I remember I was doing um, some sort of a, a podcast there a few weeks ago with someone and they asked me a similar question. I, and I was, it's just something that kind of sprung to my head. I'm I'm playing since I'm 24. I won't tell you what age I am or 23, but uh, I, I, I started quite late in life. But I remember I'd be quite confident, but I remember even being like 22, 23 years of age in, in, in a pub, say, having a chat with people. And if, if the guys or whoever I was talking to asked me, you know, do you, why do you play sport? I I rarely would say I, I, I played rugby. There was a certain kind of stigma around it. And, you know, it was something that kind of nowadays 
I think every girl that plays or woman that plays rugby is absolutely proud to say they play rugby and you have to put that down to the success and you know especially with 2020 as well they're they're really pushing on and at the end of the day anyone that I've ever spoken to that actually loves rugby and watches the women's rugby game they have massive respect and it's not it's not far off the men's game at all in in terms of pace or or, or absolute our skills so I think uh, obviously physicality maybe slightly just because of how we're built but in general anyone that watches a, a women's rugby game tend to absolutely love it well it is great and you have a trial day coming up so if people want to hear more about the trial day Fiona where do they go yeah, you can go on to Rugby Academy Ireland. They have like um, a website or there's a, they have a Facebook page as well and there's posters up. It's um, Quiva Morris is the coordinator. So it's just kind of fill out an application for, you can find it all on the, the website and it's, it's a one day trial on Thursday, the 29th of October. And we're hoping to have anybody there, as I said, unless you, you can, even if you've never played rugby really that much, get up give it a try you'll always have different athletes that kind of you might have a, someone that's absolutely speedy as hell and you know you can make them into the best winger that there ever was Alison Miller actually was a, a runner before she ever took up rugby and just uh, probably one of the best known uh, w- w- female rugby players now at the minute as well well it is great I will share it online on the big red bench for anyone that does want to see it but also before I let you go Fiona I know that financial support might be something that you need and if there's businesses listening in in Cork tonight you know like you'd love a sponsor for a jersey or even some bit of support to get that team to play England games next year yeah, exactly that. I mean, we, we, we're always open to sponsors. As I said, we're not funded by anybody in Ireland. It's a, it's a separate entity and it's something we're trying out ourselves. We, we hope to, you know, it's, we hope to just give the girls, I mean, Rugby Academy are really good. We're, we're using their facilities, um, for free and, you know, and hopefully, if we can get a few sponsors on board, then we can look at maybe getting those, the girls not having to pay to go over to England ourselves, you know, or getting a few jerseys. But even as a kind of, it's it's an incentive as well, because I do think there is a gap in the market at under 20s. And hopefully with the media attention this team has got as well, we can we can see like, you know, that, that if you're sponsoring the girls, whoever we have on board will definitely be playing a, a very good match and, we, and we'll absolutely be sharing it and getting it out there as well come April. Yeah, so if anyone is interested, Rugby Academy Ireland is where you can find her. Get in touch with us there on the bench and we'll try to get your details to Fiona. But Fiona, also, you will podcast yourself. I mean, we can't get enough of you. We'll have to listen to your podcast. What's going on? Tell us more about it. Uh, yeah, I think I think there isn't a person alive that doesn't have a podcast at the minute. Yeah, so myself and Alison Miller during the uh, the shutdown of everything there back in March, kind of April, we decided to to start up a a, a podcast. So it's called Not Another Rocking Podcast. Um, so yeah, we're basically talking rugby and. She's from uh, she's from Leash and I'm from Limerick, so there's a mad mix of accents in the. And I've uh, I've lived in Cork for eleven years, so some of the guests we've had on Sean O'Brien, we've had on Ben Tumafina, they haven't a notion what we're talking about half the time with the accent. So it's it's really just a bit of crack, and we try and get on, you know, interesting guests from the rugby world. We had Murray Kinsla as well, so we just vary it out. But it's actually it's really really kind of enjoyable for us and. Uh, if 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 you're into listening to people talk crap for forty minutes about rugby, then you'll find it very enjoyable as well. 
great. I'm sure we'll be able to find that online. I'll share the podcast as well to you. But thank you so much, Fiona, for coming on the Big Wrench. And the very best luck with you. And we'll be staying in touch with you, see how you're getting on and be able to promote the game as well. All right. Thanks, Valerie. You're a star. Thanks a million. That's Fiona Hayes there. As, uh, the Rugby Academy Ireland launched the first women's under-20 rugby team. And really good stuff from Fiona. Really passionate about it. And the very best luck to them with it. And as we heard, Fiona, a big, massive Red FM fan as well at the start of that interview. So delighted to have Fiona on the show this evening. All right, latest scores from the Nations League. England still 2 up on Belgium with 87 minutes gone on the clock there. And Finland 2 up on Bulgaria after 88 minutes. Going to talk Athletics now and our boy Kirana Lunard is back training ahead of a comeback. Um, we hadn't, um, last time we spoken to Kirana, he was retired and he was out and that was the end of that. Uh, and now he's back training full time with an eye on the Olympics next year. So I thought it was a good time uh, to catch up with uh, Kirana from his training base in Arizona. All right, the last time we spoke, you were retiring. That was the end of it. You were done. You were, you were finished with athletics. And yeah. then I'm seeing tweets from you kind of cryptically saying, I'm back, am I, question mark? And now there's talk of you competing in the Olympics next year, man. What's going on? Yeah, uh, well, I did. I did. Uh, I think, you know, 2018, I stepped away and it had been the, you know, the end of a four-year injury spell um two surgeries in my Achilles and and obviously some disappointing performances after I'd kind of come through the junior ranks and had some success and I was I was 28 years old and um my body just wasn't wasn't responding I'd had the surgery and my it was so weak coming off that it was a really intense surgery in 2015 and when I didn't make Rio I said you know I don't know if I can do another four years of this I want to move on to a different stage in life and kick off a career and um yeah I was I was kind of full board on that and I've had a great four years and I've learned a ton. Um, but, you know, once coronavirus hit and lockdown hit, uh, I was sitting here in, in Portland, Oregon, and everything was work remote and I had a bit more time in my hands. And it was gray skies outside. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna start running. I was drinking too many beers and I, but I need to live a healthier lifestyle. So I, I called my agent up who lives in Flagstaff, Arizona, who managed me when I was a professional. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to come to Flagstaff and run for a couple of weeks. And uh, that was the start of it. You know, there was no talk of um, Olympics or anything, but in the back of my mind, I think I, I didn't, I didn't know consciously at the time, but the Olympics being postponed, I think were probably a contributing factor in my yeah. subconscious. Um, and uh, when I got up here, of course, you know, the kind of competitive juices started flowing and my body started to feel finally after four years, you know, four years removed from surgery that it could move the right way again. And I said, ah, why not give this a shot? You know, everyone, I think it's, it's good to have a goal and a project during crazy time like this. And I said, this is going to be my lockdown project. And how is the body holding up? It's, it's good. You know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 32 now, you know, I'm, 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 it's, it's, I'm, nine years removed from Daegu when I made the world final. And it's, it's a different ball game for, for you when you're 32 and you've had the surgeries I've had. I have to be more careful. I can't take the risks I used to take, but um, I think I've also learned a lot. So it requires a lot of maintenance. You know, it's not just full bore every day. Um, I'm trying to take the lessons I've learned from the, the injuries I've had and adapt them. And everything's responding really well so far. I mean, it's not without its speed bumps. Like I came back, I was in terrible shape. You know, that was the main thing. Like I was, my fitness was atrocious. I couldn't even finish a five mile run, you know, at, at eight minute pace, you know, which, which, which would have been a job for me, you know, five, six years ago. Um, but the heart and lungs can be worked on that piece. That piece can be developed. The, the encouraging part was that I wasn't in pain. Um, had some weaknesses in biomechanics stuff just from sitting at a desk for four years that I think need, needed to be addressed. So I've been doing an hour, two hours of rehab every day in addition to the running and just trying to take the boxes every day. But so far, so far, so good. And um, 
I'm trying to do a careful approach to keep it that way, you know? And from a psychological point of view then, was there always that kind of fear or doubt in your mind when you started back heavy training that this could all happen again? No, not so much. I mean, I was, I was also honestly, psychologically, I think I was really scared to even return to the activity of running while I was on my break, you know, I would say break while I was retired and I was, I was in full-time work. I was scared to even go for an easy run because I was scared I'd be tempted into coming back. And I was really, I was, I was like, I care on, you've done this before. You're not going to be able to do, you know, you've had the injuries, your body can't sustain it. Um, and this time, you know, when I, when I came up here, like it, it, I, people ask, you know, when was, when did you make the conscious decision to kind of say, okay, I'm going to start training hard now, as opposed to just kind of recreationally running in the mountains. And I don't think that, I don't think that moment ever really happened. It just, it just one day led into the next and I kind of got a bit better and I got a bit better and I, I started doing a bit of jam and a bit of rehab and like, I'm, I'm kind of rolling with it. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not taking a step. I'm kind of, I'm not taking a step back really and looking at the big picture so much, which might be kind of a convoluted way of doing it, but I'm just taking it day by day and enjoying every run, enjoying every session I get to do and just being in the moment and saying, I'm really lucky that I can move my body from A to B again. And, and that just builds on itself and I, the outcome is going to be what it's going to be. I have some goals, but regardless, I'm just trying to enjoy the moment. I think that then keeps the doubts at bay from like saying, oh, well, maybe I'll break down again. That's going to be what it's going to be, right? Like I, all I can do is control what I can control and, and, and keep the body in, in good nick as best I can. Was there like one eureka moment during your comeback and you thought, right, I can actually do this? Or was it just kind of just gradually building up and building up? Yeah, I think, you know, the, it was funny, like the, the longer distance stuff, obviously when you've taken four years off and you've been sedentary drinking beers and just, you know, living the non-running life like that, you know, you, you get out of shape. And, and, and so at the beginning, like on my long runs and on the long tempo runs, you know, I was humble pretty quick and got my ass handed to me fairly regularly, right? Which is good. I mean, I think it's good to be humble in that way. But I think the first time I got on the track, I was doing a few 1200s at kind of tempo pace, followed by a few 300s. Um, and, you know, this, this will get kind of tactical on splits and stuff. But, you know, I, I, I was supposed to run the 300s in kind of 45 seconds, which is four minute mile pace. And the first one, I kind of just cruised out and I ran a 41. And my agent, who's, who's coaching me now, he, he looked at me and he goes, man, the talent hasn't gone away, you know. Um, and I think that was the moment. And that was coming from him, not me. And I, he's, he manages a lot of athletes that have made the Olympics and had a lot of success. And I think when like, that came from him, like, that kind of light bulb went in my head. And I said, oh, maybe it isn't gone away, you know. Um, and, and I kind of put that one in my back pocket. I didn't think too much about it because I said, don't get carried away. But I said, I put that in my back pocket now for the day that it stays, that it's going to really hurt. And, that it's, and it's going to be kind of like out of shape. Kieran's getting his ass kicked. Remember that there is a bit of talent in here and just keep plugging away, you know. And how much of, I suppose, of an impact did the change in scenery have in moving to Arizona? Yeah, it was good. Like, I, I think for me, so, you know, when I was an athlete, like I, I went to Arizona for training camps for four or five weeks before big races. And it's a small town, Flagstaff in the mountains at, at high altitude. There's not a lot going on. Um, and I think it's been really good because I've never known anything other than lockdown in Flagstaff. Like I, I you know, obviously people who, who, everyone, I mean, back in, I know in Cork now it's, it's COVID's kind of gotten pretty bad with the cases again and people are thinking it might be locked in and my mom and my brothers have been locked down um, out in McCroom, out in Chigila and it's tough, right? Because your routine is broken up, but I've never known a routine in Flagstaff that hasn't been train, eat, sleep, which, which is lockdown in its own right. Like I lived in lockdown pre-COVID when I was in training camp here. So it just feels like normal life in Flagstaff for me, which is, which is really nice. And honestly, it's probably helped 
that the the bars and restaurants here are closed because it helps the <laughs> helps the lifestyle. And you know, Portland, Portland, like when you when you when you leave, like I was, I, you know, I've been I've been working for Nike the last four years, and um, tr- I work at a WHQ. And Portland's kind of a a big city, a big enough city with young people, and there's bars and there's distractions, and like I think it was, I think that being out of that environment it keeps me away, me away from my bad habits, you know. Um, and it's all combined to be like, all right, Kieran, this is training camp. It's, it's just basically, I'm in this extended training camp with no expiry date now. It seems like yeah, so it's easy to fall back into the lifestyle of an elite, an elite athlete. So yeah, well, I live, you know, I live with my, I live with my agent. We have a house here, and, and you know, he's he's on the bike and the day, on the runs, and yeah, you fold, you fold into the schedule, you fold, you fold into the routine, you know. And I'm lucky; I still have, I have some work projects I can kind of keep myself busy with. But you know, for the most part, like I said, it, yeah, it's it's just you're you're here you're here to run and you're here to take care of business. And I found I found it quite nice. Like I, I think you know we've talked a lot over the years, and I think you've seen like you know, the frustrations I had, whether it was in the Olympics interview, you know, post-race or just the injuries, like how much I kind of running, which I grew up loving out in McCroom, you know, and was in a, you know, an outlet and a vehicle for me to travel across the world and do some amazing things. And I, I turned, I, I built so much resent towards running because of the pain and, and how my body was feeling and the disappointments of not finishing races and not making Olympics, et cetera. And I think that's all kind of come full circle now. Um, and having the four years away from it and coming back, I, I realize how fortunate I am to be a runner and to be able to just get out and be pain-free. I mean, that in itself, I'm just so grateful for. And then, you know, it's crazy to see um, the 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 boom from running in Ireland and the amount of support and goodwill that's that's in the running community that I felt from people in Cork, from people in Ireland. Like, it's it's a really cool thing. And I kind of want to, I want to be a part of that, you know, that's, that's something pretty special, I think. Well, you inspired me to start running, to be honest. You guys are like, oh, Kieran's a back runner, I can get out and run, so I'm like, you know, <laughs> that's one spot thing that's come out of it. You said if this, if this, if this, if this guy can get <laughs> broken, I can get back than anybody can, you know? <laughs> uh, no, it's good. I mean, it's, it's really good. I mean, I, I, I've always said, and I, I learned this really quickly when I, when I left running, um, how much I needed it. Like, I, I think, look, if you, if you, if you, if you do anything for 20 years straight, which I, I started running when I was eight years old in McCroom and I, um, and I ran till I was 28, you become dependent on it. You know, it's, it's like, I would say like addiction is a strong word, but like it, you, it's, it's something that without it, you're not mentally balanced as well as physically balanced. And I think I remember so many work meetings and I'd be, when I'd be at work where I'd be super annoyed, I, you know, you, you ride the highs and lows too much when you don't have something like running to balance you out. And, um, yeah, I think I think it's something really special, and I, th- I think in lockdown, when people have a lot of stresses going on, and kids might be at home, and kids, you know, there's work work from home, and there's school from home, and it's chaos, and you're locked in. I mean, what better way to go clear your mind and balance things out than running? And, and it, it's again, it's an amazing thing. So I'm glad I'm glad you're out at it. What's the what's the plan? What's 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 the you're gonna jump in a fifteen hundred? We'll have to jump. We'll have to do a session. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably do the fifteen hundred in about an hour and a half. I'd be like, you'd be laughing me several <laughs> several times. But doing the Dublin half marathon in a couple of weeks because um, your Lee teammate Lizzie Lee was on our show promoting it, and I was like, do you know what? Do you know Lizzie's enthusiasm and get you to do anything. Um, so I was yeah, like, not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the half marathon. So I've got that coming up. So I'm just going to be running around Watergrass Hill doing 21k. But it's uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's just great just to get out of the house for your for your own for your own well being for just that break. And after a while, everything you just forget about everything, just one foot in front of the other, and keep breathing. It's fantastic. Oh, no, exactly, exactly. And I, like I said, I, I it's it, it, oddly enough, it's funny. I've been you know I've been in the US for 
God, it's been, you know, it's crazy, but it's been 14 years, you know, and I think, I think in some ways, you know, being out in Oregon and being in school in Florida, like I, you become a bit detached from Ireland naturally, you know, and funnily enough, especially I felt that the last four years when I'd left running, but since I've come back to running, I've chatted with so many runners in Ireland and I feel kind of, a, I feel more connected with Ireland, with Ireland and with Cork, Cork through running in a way, having come back to it. So it, it's a cool little community and it brings people together, you know. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork FM. That's Kieran O'Lunner there speaking about his return from injury and eyeing up the Olympics for the second part of that interview on next week's show. But really cool to chat to Kieran and really good to see him back uh, enjoying athletics and enjoying um, running again. So it's great to chat to him. And as I said, we will have the second part of that interview on our show next week. Finland have beaten Bulgaria by two goals to nil in the uh, Nations League uh, B Group 4, the same group as Ireland. And uh, Ireland, of course, drawing it all with Wales today. And England have beaten Belgium by two goals to one, thanks to goals from Marcus Rashford and Mason Mount. Romelu Lukaku had put Belgium ahead there in Wembley. But that's it from us. Thank you very much indeed for tuning our way on this Sunday evening. We're back uh, next Saturday from 6pm. Our podcast will be available on redfm.ie very very shortly indeed and if you missed last night's show with uh, Georgia Callahan analysing Cork City and uh, Tracy Kennedy as well you can get that on the uh, Red FM website redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcast from enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening folks I'll chat you next week Alan Donovan's up next with Green on Red and uh, enjoy The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM